You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove Podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Just a quick reminder for everyone, the Arts Madness Tournament will begin in March when listeners will vote for their favorite artists in a series of head-to-head matchups. I'll be using my ad money for the month of February for prizes, so the more you listen, the more I can give away this spring. I feel like who art ed? Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Jim Davis and Garfield. Jim Davis was born July 28, 1945, in Marion, Indiana. He grew up on a cow farm. He actually wanted to grow up to be a farmer like his father, but he had asthma and found he just wasn't suited for the outdoors. TV wasn't as big back then, the internet wasn't a thing, and so he had to pass his time with a paper and pencil. But that was fine by him. He developed his love of drawing. In high school, he joined school newspaper staff, he became the art editor, He published his first cartoon and later reused the same characters when making illustrations for the yearbook. Then he went on to study art at Ball State University. I think one of the things I really love about this story is, you know, he found his passion early in life and he pursued his goals. But then after he found success, he came back to give back to the artist community and the next generation. In 2006, he returned to Ball State as a member of the faculty, and he continues to help the next generation of comic artists sharing his experience and his insights into art and the business of making art. Now, on the topic of art and the business of making art, after graduating college, he wasn't a legend yet. He had to figure out how to pay the bills, and his career started in advertising. But not too long after that, he shifted over from advertising to comics, which would be his his real passion. In 1969, he started assisting with a 
long-running comic book called Tumbleweeds. It's very successful. It ran for 42 years. The comic strip was basically a satire on the American West. And Davis spent nine years as one of the assistants on Tumbleweeds. During that time, though, he wasn't content to just execute Tom K. Ryan's vision, Tom K. Ryan being the developer of Tumbleweeds. Davis also wanted to develop his own work, so he created his own comic, Norm Nat. That comic ran from 1973 to 1975, but it never really took off. And this is one of those things that I... I read about it and and on some level like my heart breaks for Davis because from what I understand they sat Davis down and the feedback they gave him was that his illustrations were good his jokes were great but the choice of bugs as characters made it unrelatable to audiences I mean so basically they love the execution they love the writing they love everything about it except for the entire concept of the comic There's no little adjustments you can make. You have to throw it all away and start from scratch. To his credit, Davis took that in. He took that criticism, he took some time, and he studied a bit more. Particularly, he looked at Snoopy and Peanuts comics. He felt that animals would make for strong characters, but he knew that, like, Snoopy was already out there, like dogs was taken, and so he decided to feature a cat in his next comic. So after taking that time to take stock and start from scratch, Jim Davis created a new comic strip called John. I know, I bet you were thinking I was going to say Garfield, but no, it was called John. This ran in the Pendleton Times from 1976 to 1978. And this seems to have been a bit autobiographical. I mean, John is just like Davis. He's a cartoonist who grew up on a farm. He celebrates his birthday on July 28th. While the comic was focused on the titular cartoonist, it was another figure in the comic strips that really grabbed the audience's attention. I'm talking, of course, about the cat, Garfield. Garfield was not directly named after the president. Garfield was Jim Davis's grandfather's middle name, although the grandfather was named for the president. Davis's grandfather, like the cat, was a bit gruff, but with a soft heart. And audiences responded. As the cat became more central to the comic strip, the cat actually took over the comic strip. I mean, the comic John became Garfield, The title of the comic is not the only thing that's changed over the years, though. The 1978 version of Garfield, it was more like a regular house cat. He sat and he walked on all fours. But the current version of Garfield, from what I've read, is based on Charles Schultz's input, suggesting that he be more anthropomorphic. Now, anthropomorphic is the big word that people like me use to sound intelligent as they talk about cartoon figures. Anthropomorphizing something is giving human characteristics to something that's not human. The Garfield of today has 
big eyes that are very expressive. The face draws us in, but then also he stands on two feet. He's got these adorable sort of almost baby-like proportions with the, the head that's roughly equal to the size of the body. And I think what makes Garfield so successful is that it gives us a window into the mind of the cat. It seems a little bit gruff, but with a heart of gold. And that's how I like to imagine cats are. I like to imagine that feline wandering throughout my house is not just some feral animal that swipes at me, but also takes care of bugs and other pests. I like to think that on some level, it has a connection to us, that it feels like it's a part of the family. And that's what Garfield gives us. It's the illusion of some humanity inside of cats. And because Davis is not just a talented and funny cartoonist, but also somebody who is willing to take in criticism, be reflective and thoughtful, and apply feedback, Garfield has only become more popular over the decades. In 1978, it was syndicated in 41 newspapers. But since then... It's been made into a TV show, books, video games, movies. The comic strip has been syndicated in over 2,500 newspapers read by 300 million people. Now, I can't claim to have an audience that size, but you can help me get there by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.